Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Do not, do not, do not touch that dial. You heard the man. It's time for Fox Sports Sunday. And boy, we've got a lot on the docket tonight. So let's get busy. On that note, please put your seat backs forward, your tray tables upright. We are ready for takeoff. My name is Bernie Fratto. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my savvy and capable crew. That would be Ricky Herrera, who's in for Bo Benson, uh, Chris Perfett, and Brian Fenley on the updates as they will man the ship from our Los Angeles compound. Man, we've got all kinds of March Madness stuff, plenty of names in the news, and NFL headlines are absolutely raging. Plus, in the final hour, what kind of brand new fool are you and what my name and, of course, uh, Chris Perfett's report on the world of soccer. Now, I was all set to take a look at this phenomenon known as Tom Brady because he came out of retirement <laughs> and stole the, temporarily stole some headlines right at the beginning of March Madness. And by the way, he's not the only guy to come out of retirement after 40 days. But And we'll get to all that stuff. But I, so much history has taken place since then. This whole Deshaun Watson, and it is joined at the hip with Baker Mayfield. It is so delicious. There's so much to unpack. I got to start there. See, because if you just go back to last Tuesday, I don't think I ever remember a week like this in the National Football League. And I go back to 1994 in radio. Uh, two interesting developments on Tuesday when you first woke up with one one big story hanging over them, and that was Deshaun Watson, okay? First, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers agreed to a three-year, $150 million deal. Right then, Randy Gregory he kind of pump faked the whole market Tuesday by agreeing to a five-year, seventy million dollar deal with Dallas. Then reneging allegedly and agreeing to the same contract with the Broncos after the Cowboys report reportedly reportedly tried to insert some new language into his contract at the last minute. Cowboys insist these were standard terms on nearly every contract they offer, but the Broncos did not include them. But hanging all over this was the specter of. Deshaun Watson. Now, this is Tuesday, and the list of reported preferred teams uh, at that point was down to the Saints and the Falcons. Fortunately, Matt Ryan didn't write any impassioned letters to the media and the Saints. I don't know what happened there, but this story has so many layers. And what finally happens the other day? Deshaun Watson signs a five-year, $230 million contract for the Cleveland Browns. Every bit of it is guaranteed. That's $80 million more than Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers was guaranteed. And they did something very shrewd. He'll only make $1 million in 2022. And you know why? Because it's almost inevitable that he will be looking at a short suspension, I'm guessing, four to six games. Now that the criminal charges, it appears there will not be any criminal charges filed now it turns to Roger Goodell and the personal conduct policy. And a little later in the show, I'm going to explain what that entails. I'd be surprised if there's not an, a suspension because what's key is Goodell doesn't have to know if Watson was guilty of having violated the personal conduct policy. He only has to believe that he may have violated it because he's got to adjudicate 22 pieces of litigation, civil litigation, and each one of his uh, accusers can question him and de deposition him for two hours each, he's still got a lot of heavy lifting 
ahead of them. This whole Deshaun Watson thing is just getting started. See, again, eight days ago, the whole football world kind of watched and waited for a decision to be made by a Houston grand jury as to whether or not Watson would be charged with any crimes. Eventually, the word emerged, he'll face no criminal jeopardy. Now, that opened the floodgates for interested teams to pursue Watson, and boy, did they. Cleveland, man, they gave up a haul. They're not going to have a first-round draft pick for for four years. Next three years, no first-round draft picks. They gave up more than that. And, you know, but they might have their quarterback for the next 10 years, but they're still only 40-1 to to win their division or check that to go to the Super Bowl. So there's no guarantees. And, I, you know, it was interesting because, you know, just pertaining to the criminal charges, all right, they took forever to come to this decision. And a cynical person would say that Watson was fortunate because he went up against a very unmotivated district attorney who really wanted to protect his pristine 97% conviction conviction record, knowing these charges would be hard to prove. Plus, the DA was based in Harris County, and what a coincidence, so are the Houston Texans football team. They're based in Harris County as well, and you all know the story of how a DA can convict a ham sandwich. We'll see. It's true. Why do people say that? Because a prosecuting attorney is God in a grand jury setting. There is no defense presented. There's no cross-examination. In other words, if a prosecuting attorney, if a district attorney wants to bring charges, they've got full autonomy and authority. And if they don't, well, you saw what happened in Houston. Fortunately, I'm not a cynical person. See, now for the next act. Because it's like this land rush. There are 22 civil lawsuits that are looming, even as the, even though Watson testified in two of them this last week. You know, teams still looked at Deshaun Watson as a 10-year investment, a 10-year answer at by far the most important position in football, the thinnest position in all the sports. And I think at the end of the day, they said, listen, we'll accept some of these short-term entanglements in order to achieve a long-term objective of having a franchise quarterback of the caliber of Deshaun Watson. Make no mistake, he is a world-class athlete, and he could be a game-changer for the Houston, or check that, the Cleveland Browns, who've never won a Super Bowl, never even been to the Super Bowl. Uh, and so I, I got to believe the Browns are very happy, but should they be? Because, you know, if right now Watson is accused of sexual misconduct, not by one or two girls, but by 22 if there were just one or two, you could maybe gloss over the process that may or may not find, you know, it may not result in finding of any legal responsibility. But at some point, when the number of plaintiffs reach a critical mass like, oh, 22, that's a problem. It's a problem for Deshaun. It's a problem for Cleveland now. And it's a problem for the league because there are 22 human beings out there accused that have accused Deshaun Watson of wrongdoing. So, what again, what's the league going to do, and when will they do it? On one hand, the league has learned from their past mistakes to wait to make decisions regarding player discipline until the last possible moment. Now, in Watson's case, that could mean waiting for the 22 civil cases to be resolved. We don't know, and I don't think it's going to be anytime soon because the, you know, the depositions are going to continue over, I think, the next two or three months. Uh, I know that last year the Dolphins wanted all of the cases to be settled before they would trade for Watson. And the Dolphins believe that a settlement would result in a six-game suspension imposed by the league. Now, that sounds right. Now, what if Deshaun Watson says, hell, I'm not settling? What if he digs in and fights? What if he ultimately wins? He already has no 
criminal charges. And if he gets all 22 verdicts in his favor, then he, he would he be able to say he's done nothing wrong? And then what would the league be suspending him for? But again, the personal conduct policy is is odd. Okay, it's it's when a player is formally charged with a crime of violence, meaning that he's accused of either having used physical force to injure or threaten another person, or having engaged in a sexual assault by by force or sexual assault of a person who's incapable of giving consent, or of having engaged in conduct that poses a genuine danger to the safety or well-being of another person. You know, these are these are charges that if they're brought in the form of an indictment by a grand jury or just a filing of a charges by a prosecutor or even just an arraignment, that can be perceived by the league as having violated the personal conduct policy. So now the question is, what will Roger Goodell do? Will he move now or will he wait? Uh, according to sources who filed reports, it's going to be difficult to ignore the situation or dismiss 22 different playoff, uh, plaintiffs. There's a belief that when Watson finally prepares to play again, he, it's possible he won't be permitted to do so until the cases are resolved, whether by settlement or whether there's a dismissal or whether there's a verdict, what have you. This, there's a belief that the league is going to wait till there's a formal conclusion to this, that there's closure. All right, But that didn't stop the Saints and the Falcons from having a big tug-of-war for Watson. And, you know, how much teams know or care about what's coming, how much fear they have, or, you know, an unpaid suspension, any kind of potential backlash in their local communities for embracing Watson. I, I don't know if that stopped them. Or maybe they don't care as much as they could. I mean, the way that Deshaun Watson was pursued this past week is given rise to this competition. It's urgent. It, it, just like it's, it's, it's football outside the lines, but it's almost like between the lines and the desire to win can sometimes cause plenty of things that otherwise would be troubling to be far less troublesome because hey you got to win right Cleveland wants to win they have a pretty darn good roster and they just got another receiver and Amari Cooper and make no mistake it's all about the money because it's my understanding that at one point Deshaun Watson says no I'm going to say no to Cleveland and of course, it was too late. Uh, uh, Baker Mayfield had already, you know, written his his letter, and and it was too late. And, and then he demanded a trade, and then Cleveland says, "No, we're not going to trade you." Now they are going to trade him. Now he, you know, and we're, I'm going to get to that in, in in just a second. But the Watson situation set off a series of dominoes falling. Because after he turned down Cleveland, Cleveland comes back with $230 million guaranteed. So, okay, you know, I don't know how you put a price on loyalty, but $230 million sounds like a pretty good start. So all of a sudden, he's back in the game. But by then, Baker Mayfield did what he always does, and that's unfortunately a moat. He makes decisions on emotion and acts out and then justifies them later with logic. And make no mistake, I, I actually feel a little bad for Baker Mayfield. He played the entire year injured, I think, the players in the locker room believe he was a fighter, a warrior, a competitor. He did his best. Uh, he tore he tore up his shoulder trying to make a, a tackle week one and played with a host of other injuries. In retrospect, it might have been better that he didn't play this last year, but he's a warrior. you got to give the man credit. He wanted to be on the field. I think he's got that chip. 
to the great degree Aaron Rodgers had, that he's lived his life in a manner that he's always felt he had to do twice as much to get half as much respect. And he does too many commercials, and he emotes too much, and he responds too much to the media, and so he's perceived in an unfavorable light, which I'm not sure is entirely fair. But it can also make a case that he brought a lot of this on himself because of the way he reacted. You know, obviously, Atlanta flirted with Deshaun Watson, too, from what I understand, but Matt Ryan didn't go off on the nut. And last year when Trey Lance was drafted, uh, you know, Jimmy G didn't go crazy. And uh, Keyshawn Johnson said recently, he said, you know, it, when I was with the Jets, I was their number one receiver. But if management would have come to me and said, um, you know, we're going to bring in Jerry Rice, I would have said, what am I going to say? He's better than I am. He's going to make our team better. But not everybody reacts that way. And I do honestly believe that to a degree, the way that Baker Mayfield reacted when this whole thing started to unfold with the letter and the demanding for the trade and, and you know, reaching out and, and, and sort of acting out, I, in, in the back of my mind, I just think it caused Cleveland to go back for a second bite at the apple. And, you know, you put desperation together with money and the desire to win and these crazy things happen. Think about that for a million, for a minute. $230 million. Every bit of it is guaranteed. And as much as I like Deshaun Watson, I must have missed all those playoff runs he had the last five years in Super Bowl runs. Mahomes has won a Super Bowl. Rodgers has won a Super Bowl. Granted, only one. Matt Stafford got paid. He's won a Super Bowl. Now he's going to have to perform. I'm talking about uh, Deshaun Watson. And meanwhile, what happens with Baker Mayfield? We're going to talk about that next. Among other names like Von Miller and Freddie Freeman and, yes, even LeBron James, because the world of sports, and how can I forget Russell Wilson? He's part of this mix, too. This is incredible to me. And even Mitch Trubisky, he's going to get a mention, and for all the right reasons. I tell you, I cannot remember in the National Football League these last seven, eight days, the amount of flurry and activity. And we're not done yet, because Baker Mayfield's got to end up somewhere, and Jimmy G's got to end up somewhere. And it's just incredible. And all this amidst March Madness and spring training starting and everything going bananas. And that's why this time of year is so much fun, as I've always said, because every time of year in the sports year is so much fun. But I have never seen this kind of flurry of activity in one week in the National Football League. No one has ever seen these kinds of numbers. The fodder continues. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios right here in Las Vegas. So stick and stay. Keep it locked. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Fratto coming to you live from Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio studios will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Fascinated by the NFL doings and the Deshaun Watson news does not happen in a vacuum. It's attached to the legend known as Baker Mayfield, who often operates as an emotional young man, makes decisions, acts out based on emotion, justifies later with logic. And then what did you do this last week before any of this happened? He got wind that Cleveland was shopping around. This is what happens. Okay. 
it's it's happened to lots of guys in lots of different sports, but the way Baker Mayfield reacted, I absolutely think contributed to Cleveland coming back and offering Deshaun Watson an amount of money never seen in the annals of the National Football League, particularly the guaranteed part. He's going to be guaranteed $80 million more than Patrick Mahomes is in his deal or Aaron Rodgers is in his deal, and Cleveland better hope this works out because they gave up three first-round draft choices and another, I mean, Houston got a haul. But Baker Mayfield fans the fire by saying, quote, he writes a letter. It says, quote, quote, I'll read his letter. This is not a message with a hidden meaning. It's not. It's strictly to thank the city of, of Cleveland for embracing my family. I didn't know they embraced his family. I thought his wife was always complaining about that. Maybe they should have because I thought Baker Mayfield did a hell of a lot of Good things, honestly, and I'll get to those. Mayfield wrote in the letter, I, I, I have no clue what happens next, which is the meaning behind the silence I've had during the duration of this process. I've given the franchise everything I have, and that will not change wherever I take my next snap. End of letter, okay? Mayfield, I mean, it feels like he's been there a long time. He was the first-round pick of the 2018 NFL Draft, first overall pick. Um, or I, I, my memory escapes, forgive me, but he was definitely drafted by the Browns, Browns with the first pick. I guess it was the first overall pick. And in his third season, Mayfield led the Browns to their first playoff berth since 2002 and the first playoff victory since 1994. But the 2021 campaign was a real up-and-down campaign. He was 6-8 as a starter, and rumors started to swirl about his future, and all of a sudden pumped the brakes at 8.30 a.m., PST on Thursday, Jason Watson's people informed the Browns they were out of the running. But wait, there's more. Mayfield then requested a trade from the Browns, telling Adam Schefter that, quote, it's in the best interest of both sides for Cleveland to split with the star quarterback. It's in the mutual interest for both of us to move on. The relationship is far too gone to mend. It's in the best interest for both sides to move on. This is after, after Deshaun Watson said he was out of the running. Same day, the Browns were one of four teams that actually met with Deshaun Watson. I don't recall the other three quarterbacks sending letters. Basically, to gauge his interest in waiving his no-trade clause, right? Cleveland, in their, you know, probably they closed the doors and said, okay, if Baker Mayfield wants out, well, I, not we have no interest in trading him, which is what they said, but there was genuine uncertainty at the quarterback position, and I don't think Cleveland wants that because they have enough weapons on offense now and on defense to make noise. Then, apparently, the Browns, upon falling out of contention to acquire Watson, then said they would prefer to move forward with Baker Mayfield. But Mayfield's request, at the time, the thought was, this might actually force Cleveland to trade Baker Mayfield, who's had some accomplishments. He won the Heisman Trophy, got picked first overall, got him to the playoffs, won a playoff game. Baker Mayfield goes on to say he had strong interest in the Colts, who also happened to be in the market for a quarterback after they traded Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. That still doesn't roll off the tongue for me. And as Cleveland officials were flying back to Cleveland from their Tuesday meeting with Watson, then Mayfield posted this statement on social media, again, thanking the city of Cleveland, who truly embraced me, blah, blah, blah. I, I already told you about all that. Look, Baker Mayfield has a case in, in terms of someone I think that 
didn't exactly have the smoothest, uh, the most seamless opportunities in Cleveland. You could say that his entire tenure, eight, from 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, very tumultuous. He played under four head coaches in his first three seasons, but yet he led Cleveland to its first playoff victory in 26 years and finished top 10 in the league in QBR. It all started when Mayfield tore his labrum and his non-throwing shoulder in week two of this past season and struggled the rest of the way. He tried to make a tackle. He's a football player. He finished 27th in QBR. The Browns missed the playoffs. They finished with a very disappointing 8-9 and record. And again, the, the Browns, their shorts aren't clean here. It was reported by somebody, and I don't know, there was so much verbiage there were so many adjectives flying. It was alleged that the Browns made the statement, quote, they want an adult at quarterback. You mean like the one who's facing 22 civil lawsuits, who cried and who was made the highest player in Houston, professed his love for the city, then refused to play there again and demanded a trade? I don't know. I, must, I just must not know the definition of adult. Now, I know Deshaun Watson wants his name back and his reputation back, and eventually he'll probably get it back someday. But I will tell you, first you think, again, for the fourth time, I've never seen a week like this in the NFL in my life. Uh, and by the way, not for nothing, Von Miller, he joins the Buffalo Bills. He gets himself a six-year deal for $120 million. I know he won't finish all six years, and he won't make that much. I think $40 million is guaranteed or something. But look out now, the Buffalo Bills are now the favorites to win the Super Bowl at plus 160. Von Miller did a superb job in Denver, was a key cog in their Super Bowl team, a superb job in the Rams, a key cog. And now he's joining, Von Miller's joining a Buffalo Bills defense that did this that did this in 2021. Points per game allowed, 17 points per game, number one in the NFL. Total yards per game allowed, 272, number one in the NFL. Pass yards per game allowed, 163, first in the NFL. Third down percentage conversion, 30%, first in the NFL. Opponent passer rating, 65.3, first in the NFL. And they add Von Miller. Other than that, how was your day? And I'm not done. I haven't even gotten to Russell Wilson. We're going to get to that next. But first, let's go to the man. With the uh, golden pipes, is the as we know him as the silver tongue devil, Brian Finley with the latest. Thank you so much, Bernie. We're going to start in the NCAA tournament second round action from yesterday. Andrew, Timmy seeping, seemingly keeping that hook shot in style for the top-ranked Zags. Demhard will inbound baseline right, lobs it up the right lane line to Timmy. Watched by Dandridge. Timmy rips it through, dribbles left, spins right, jump hook in the paint, got it again. And Gonzaga has taken the lead, their first lead since it was 25-24 at the five-minute mark of the first half. Westwood won on the call, a huge second half for Timmy where he scored 21 of his 25 points and the Bulldogs take it to number nine Memphis, 82-78. to The Tigers had a 10-point lead at intermission. GU will now face off against number four Arkansas after the Razorbacks beat number 12 New Mexico State 53-48. to 15th seeded St. Peter's continues their unimaginable run as they are into the Sweet 16 following their win against number seven Murray State 70-60. to So the Peacocks out of the MAAC will get up with the winner of today's Texas 
Purdue affair. Number four, Providence. Ed Cooley has his team into the round of 16 after they destroy number 12, Richmond. The Spiders, 79-51. to The Spiders were just one of 22 from three-point range. And the Friars have the pleasure of getting to play Kansas, a top-ranked team in this tournament after the Jayhawks were victorious against number 9 Creighton, 79-72. to Number 4, UCLA powering past 5th-seeded St. Mary's, 72-56. to So the Bruins will rendezvous with North Carolina in the round of 16. The Heels got the win against number 1 Baylor, 83-86. to In overtime, mind you, the Bears are also defending national champs and they came back from a 25 point deficit but then lost it in OT RJ Davis a career high 30 points for the Tar Heels number three Tennessee falls short against number 11 Michigan 76 to 68 Rick Barnes the head coach for the Vols continues to have struggles in the NCAA tournament seemingly every year Hunter Dickinson led Michigan with 27 points and 11 rebounds and just a couple quick notes from the NBA a win for the Lakers excuse me a win for the Wizards over the Lakers 127 to 119 LeBron James had 38 points and getting to that a Allowed him to move in front of Carl Malone for second all time on the NBA scoring list. Also, the Timberwolves win their 10th game out of their last 11. This time, they are victorious against the Bucks, 138-119. No Giannis Antetokounmpo. He did not play with a sore knee. We know Bernie Fratto. It doesn't matter what injury he has. He is always game for getting on the radio and stepping up and delivering. With that, let's get it back to our man in Las Vegas. Fortunately, Brian, I'm not lactose intolerant. That may just put me on the DL, you know, <laughs> just one of those things. Almond right, milk, thanks. almond milk, Bernie, almond milk. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been told about that. All right. Good stuff, Brian. Thank you. Uh, a gentleman, uh, a tweeter at the handle at Claxton Okajima has often tweeted from, I think he's from Seattle, about the Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll saga. And I said on New Year's Eve when I was in for Ben Maller, I thought, or the night before New Year's Eve, I, I said, I thought it was a 90%. One of them would be gone. I just felt like they're going to retool. And sure enough, this last week, the Seahawks and Broncos, well, they agreed to a deal. Russell Wilson's on his way to Denver. And, uh, you know, uh, Claxton mentioned about, uh, you know, Drew Locke and would they get Baker Mayfield? I don't know. Look, right now, the the Broncos, they traded Drew Locke and they got traded Noel Fant, a pretty good tight end out of Iowa. A defensive lineman by the name of Shelby Harris. Five draft picks, two firsts, two seconds, and a fifth to the Seahawks. Seattle, to complete the deal, sends a fourth-round pick to Denver. So how much gas does Russell Wilson at age 33 have in the tank? He spent 10 years of his career in Seattle, played two Super Bowls, won one. And again, here we are with this subterfuge. Just last week, Seattle coach Pete Carroll said the team, quote, had no intention of trading Wilson despite inquiries from multiple teams. He said, you know, with this time of year, there's conversations about everybody. We're talking about everybody. That's commonplace for us to have conversations with teams about all the players. No, it's not. Yeah, if you're if you're the Rams, you're going to trade Matt Stafford. The hell, you, the hell you are. He did a phenomenal job this year in L.A., and he was rewarded, and he's loved in the locker room. So that's not commonplace. They're, they're, the Packers are. Do you, you think Brady would would be traded from the from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers or or Dak Prescott uh, or Joe Burrow? It's not commonplace. I, I like Pete Carroll, but 
you know, when he talks like that, it, it doesn't impress me. It's been, because, you know, it's been the same every year since we've been here. But we have, uh, you know, our conversations with John Snyder, but nothing specific. No, I, I don't think you, you know, they do that. But you got to say something, right? And and he did. And Russell Wilson finally is gone. He heads to Denver. And, you know, look, give Russell Wilson credit. With him there, they posted a winning record in every one of Wilson's first nine seasons. But then last year, the Seahawks finished last in the NFC West. They were only 7-10. and 10. Wilson only passed for 3,100 yards. They were a run-first team. But he did throw 25 touchdowns and six interceptions. I think he's got a lot of gas in the tank, but and and Wilson is just one of three active starting quarterbacks to having have you know had been with the team for ten years. The other two are Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan. And the question is, will they have success in Denver? We're going to talk to McKenzie here in about five ten minutes because the NFL odds are changing, and Denver's now fourteen to one. But you all know uh, they're in that tough division. Right, I mean, they are in a division that you know you you've got to share with with Patrick Mahomes, and and now Derek Carr is going to have his old uh, you know college roommate t- or teammate, I should say, um, Devontae Adams to throw the ball to. The Raiders have filled in nicely. Uh, I would say you know San Diego is pretty well set with Justin Herbert, and so you've got. The AFC West with the stud quarterbacks, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr. And by the way, uh, you know, Russell Wilson does join a Broncos team that's missed the playoffs in six consecutive seasons. That's what got Denver coach Vic Fangio fired. And then, you know, then now he, they bring in Nathaniel Hackett from the Packers. And by the way, the Washington Commanders always were, they, or they were in the, in, in the fray. They made an offer for, Russell Wilson that included three first round picks as well. However, of all the teams exploring a Wilson trade, it, Wilson admitted he wanted out of the NFC. So he makes that decision. Aaron Rodgers stays with the Packers. And by the way, one last name I want to mention man gets no respect Mitch Trubisky. He gets picked up by Pittsburgh. And here's the irony the Bears, who are all high on their new quarterback, and I love the guy. I, 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 he's a world-class athlete, but he's still going to have to adjust to the NFL game and operate from the pocket. What if I told you the Bears had a quarterback? Here's the irony. In his last three years, he was 25-13, and 13, made the playoffs twice, threw 64 touchdowns, 37 interceptions, and had a 66% completion rate. Facts. But it wasn't good enough. How was your day? He's now in Pittsburgh. I'm talking to Mitchell Trubisky. And, you know, while everybody's talking about the AFC West, as well they should, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, it's going to be a dogfight. How about the AFC North? So Trubisky goes to Pitt, and he's surrounded by a pretty good team. Deshaun Watson goes to Cleveland. That's going to be fun to watch. And they get to lace it up twice a year, all these teams with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. So everybody's crowing about the AFC West, and they should. How about the AFC North? Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, and yes, Mitchell Trubisky. Laugh all you want. He put up pretty good numbers his final three years with the Bears. What a week for the NFL. Oh, man. All right, coming up. You know him, you love me, can't live without him. Speaking of that... With all of the movement, what has it done to the odds, the futures odds, 
and all the cannon fodder that goes along with it. We'll talk about that, among other things, with Mackinac Sports and McKenzie Rivers. I'm Bernie Fratter. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio Studios, we bring you back out to Vegas. You know them, you love me, can't they without them? Backing on sports with Mackenzie Rivers. Well, Mackenzie, these NFL moves don't happen. They don't occur in a vacuum. When these things happen, obviously, odds change. There are movers, there are shakers, there are winners, our losers. What are your biggest takeaways from this past week in the NFL with so many chess pieces moving around? Well, you know me, Bernie. I am a better at heart. That's why I moved out to Vegas. First, it was poker. Then sports betting caught my interest, and it's been it's been a love love of mine. But I moonlight. You might have heard as a as a radio producer on the weekday show of Straight Out of Vegas, or I guess I daylight. And I realize as that producer that NFL is unbelievably king of the heap. In a week where it's the biggest week of the season for one of the major sports, a billion-dollar revenue sport, knocked way off, way, way, way down distant on the second page because Tom Brady started this week off. And there were six NFL teams, and I'm going to run through them, that saw drastic changes with their odds, starting with the Buccaneers. Tom Brady comes back. What do you expect? 35 to 1. Next day, they're 8.5 to 1. And they've mm. only improved since because the NFC keeps getting worse. The Packers, they lose Devontae Adams. They go from 7.5 to 1, second favorite, now 10 to 1, fourth favorite. Their roster really isn't that good. And another huge quarterback name goes from that, possibly the NFC. Deshaun Watson, as you talked about, rumored with the Saints, rumored with the Falcons. He ends up in the AFC, just like Russell Wilson did. And the Browns are now the AFC North favorites. Stunning when you think about how good the Ravens are, how possibly good the Steelers are. They never seem to have a losing season. And the Super Bowl or the AFC, the Super Bowl contestant Cincinnati Bengals, all knocked down to the second, third, and fourth place on the list because the Browns are now plus 160, the AFC North favorite. I was actually talking to uh, a gentleman here in Henderson, Nevada. Uh, actually, it was a police officer who just uh, you know stopped by to say hi as I was walking into the office this morning. We got to chatting. And I told him this, and he was a Steelers fan. And he said, well, you know, I've heard, and I always thought, the Browns just lose. The Browns just to find a way to lose, and that was that was the that was the straight man, every man that might not be wrong because I don't think in the first year with the suspension looming, with the you know entirely new uh, place for Deshaun Watson to live in, I just don't think they're going to be great. I don't think they should be yeah. plus one sixty favorites. The Ravens at two to one are more attractive to me. What do you think on that one? Well, I'm in agreement. First of all, it's all about winning the Super Bowl. Everything else is moot, in my opinion. 
Cleveland's now 14-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Yep. They've got better odds than the Niners, Cowboys, Ravens, Titans. Even the Bengals are 25-1. to And to me, that is not good value at all. And we haven't even mentioned Buffalo, who well, what my research showed is Buffalo is not the favorite to win the Super Bowl at plus 650. They, get, they pick up Von Miller to add to an already elite defense. I don't know if I have confidence in any of these teams. I still think... Teams are going to be Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and and the Rams most likely in the NFC. And the, the AFC is just going to be a crapshoot. And that's why the Bills uh, are so nice, no, so nicely situated in the East, not in the AFC West, and just sitting in the catbird seat. They are the favorites. They've separated from the packs. Our consensus odds have them at seven to one. Bucks are eight to one second favorite. Then the Chiefs at eight and a half to one. The Packers I mentioned ten to one. The Browns are surging fifteen to one. You could have got them at forty to one Friday morning, Friday afternoon. That was quite a shock to the Vegas markets. Now down to fourteen to one. Yes. The fourth team with major changes also happened on Friday. The Packers traded Devontae Adams to the Raiders, and now they're forty-five to one. What's interesting is yes, that's a huge improvement from where they were on Monday, seventy to one. It's not that big of improvement from where they You're were. Talking about the Raiders are now. The, the Raiders, Raiders yeah, yeah, exactly. In early February, they kind of went went their odds went up. They were eighty to one, and now they're back to where they were in February, around forty-five to one. It's because Devontae Adams nice, but the competition, their path, their expected path. Probably the hardest in the league. Three AFC West teams are in the top nine favorites. The losers of the Deshaun Watson deal, the Saints, they have their highest, uh, biggest payout. You can possibly get them at 50 to 1. They were 35 to 1 and down to 20 to 1 in some spots when Deshaun Watson was rumored there. The Falcons, they're back to 70 to 1. They were down to 30 to 1. When I saw the Westgate move from 100 to 1 to 30 to 1, specifically the Westgate on the Falcons, I sent an email. I said, I, I know the market's not everything, but it's got to be 70, 80 percent, don't we think, that these odds are telling us Deshaun Watson will choose Atlanta. Kyle Pitts tweeting out, things are getting awfully exciting here in Atlanta. Everything seemed to be going in that direction, but nope. So they go from 30 to 1 back to 70 to 1. And their loss is the Browns gain again. They were 40 to 1 Friday yeah. morning. It was a rare two update, Super Bowl odd update for us because we had the Raiders deal and then we had the Browns deal a few hours later. From 40 to 1, now the fifth favorite to win the Super Bowl, the Cleveland Browns. I don't buy it for 2022. No. I think the hype train is a little out of control right now. I think they're very overvalued there. It's entirely possible he could still have a four to six game suspension. Let's give this some context. The Pittsburgh Steelers, coached by Mike Tomlin, never had a losing season. Again, the playoffs last year. If if Trubisky can stabilize them, you get them at seventy-five to one right now. That is such much better value than the Raiders at forty to one. And even though the Raiders improved at forty to one, look at the rest of their division. You you still got Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at eight to one. You still got the Denver Broncos now with Russell Wilson at fourteen to one. And you've got the uh, Chargers at 16 to 1. The Raiders are a distant 40 to 1. And I, I, the, the Browns at 14 to 1 still really baffles me. If you're telling me the Browns have a better chance to get to the Super Bowl, let's say the Cowboys at 16 to 1, or even the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson at 25 to 1, I'm just not buying it. There must, the books must have a lot of liability, McKenzie. That's all I can say. Oh yeah, this is definitely all about uh, you know market manipulation, trying to get themselves the best of it. You mentioned the Cowboys. It's funny because there are two of the teams that probably have the best roster outside of quarterbacks, a lot of people would say. But the Browns, they got rid of a guard. They got rid of one of their top guards. And they got rid of Amari 
um, they got rid of Javis Larnge, and they brought in the Cowboy Amari Cooper. So wide receivers, it's interesting. We're about to get into the draft. Wide receiver value. You see the Rams. Cooper Cup had a Jerry Rice-like type season on the way to be Super Bowl MVP. Brandon Ayuk, I think probably the most important 49er right now. The wide receiver class, the value of wide receivers around the league, drastically gone up. Is Amari Cooper one of those elite wide receivers? That remains to be seen. Or maybe he just you know, played with a pretty good quarterback and a pretty good offensive system with a lot of other guys taking targets away from him, taking distraction away from him. So I think the Browns are building something. I like the GM there, and I, I like Deshaun Watson. I think he's a, an amazing athlete, but yeah. I don't think it's this year. No, I'm with you, McKenzie. All right, we'll see you in an hour for your three best NBA plays uh, for Sunday. Boy, I've never seen a week like this in the NFL. And it continues because coming up, we'll talk about the guy whose retirement lasted 40 days. I was wrong. He's back. Keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. The Fox Sports Sunday keeps rolling right on. I am Bernie Fratto. Come to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific 6 a.m. Eastern, man, we're just getting started. We still got what kind of brand new fool are you? What my name? The world of soccer with Chris. And I will tell you, as I've overstated 47,000 million times in the last hour and a half, I've never seen a week like this last week in the NFL. Because Tuesday, I thought it was all going to be about Brady and then everything all hell broke loose with Deshaun Watson and, and, and of course, Baker, Baker Mayfield and right on down the line. But I, I digress ever so slightly because Tom Brady's last touchdown pass has significance. And uh, there are about 518,000 reasons why, it, why it's got significance. But hold that thought for just a second because when Brady retired, uh, you know, look, I'm a simple guy in many ways. Hell, last night I had a Lunchables for dinner. And I try to keep my life simple. I, I don't go to ATM machines. Why? Because every time I get in line for an ATM machine, I just want to get my $200 and get the hell out of there. I'm always behind somebody, stuck behind somebody trying to do a leverage bank buyout from an ATM machine. And I'm waiting and wondering what's going on. I don't typically go through drive throughs I'll eat my share of fast food, but I don't like to go through drive throughs because all I want to do is get my Happy Meal and be on my way. But it never fails. I get, in behind, I get in line behind somebody who's ordering enough food for the fifth fleet. So I try to keep things simple. So when Tom Brady announced that he was retiring, clearly we know where it was coming from. He'd been, there'd been a groundswell of pressure from his wife and family and his oldest son entering high school for years. Even before he left New England, for years. And I, I think he succumbed. But when he did... I just took him at his word. I wasn't one of those people that predicted he'll be back. Oh, you can read the tea leaves. You can read the signs. Oh, look at this. He had this conversation with that guy, or he he's speaking in tongues now. I just didn't pay attention. I, I took him at his word, and I was wrong. And what's interesting, and I guess Sunday morning, and he had a video with Cristiano Ronaldo, and Ronaldo asked Brady if he's done, and Brady said, quote, that's what I don't know. And that's when it started to rev up. And I don't know what truly motivated him to make the decision to finally return. Although I think if I'm guessing, and this is a wild guess, his wife said, all right, hell with it. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I mean, how many times can they go to Disneyland and Disney World and Knott's Berry Farm and the nature trail with the family? And I just, she looked at him and said, you know what? 
maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe he really needs to go back and finish this. And look, at 44, it wasn't like he was fading. He threw for 5,300 yards last year at 43 touchdowns. They came ever so close to beating the Rams. And guess what? He comes back to the Buccaneers and they're Super Bowl contenders again. So NFC NFC South, you've been served. Atlanta, they were searching for a quarterback. They'll stick with Matt Ryan. Fortunately, he didn't write any letters. I'm guessing the Saints will stick with Jameis Winston. By the way, Sean Payton is no longer there. Carolina's unsettled. That division's for the taking. But there's all, there's another backstory here. I mentioned that someone someone spent – I didn't mention that. What I said was there are 518,000 additional reasons for this story to have yet another layer. What do I mean by that? So if there's any item that's in the field of sports collectibles that needs no embellishment, and by the way, I spent many years in the world of sports collectibles, it is a a, a historic piece that has to do with the aforementioned Tom Brady, and it's the final touchdown ball of Tom Brady's career. All right? wasn't that long ago. It It was January 23rd. Tom Brady throws a 55-yard touchdown pass caught by Mike Evans. Uh, He beat Jalen Ramsey. 320 left to play in the game. That that, that closed the score from 27 to 20. And Mike Evans has a habit. When he scores, he just simply, it's an autonomic response. He tosses the ball into the stands where it was caught by a gentleman. Obviously, the game had not yet been decided, and there was no way to know at that moment Tom Brady having given any formal indication that he's retiring at the conclusion of the Buccaneer season. No one could have possibly realized the ball's historical significance at that time. It was only after the loss and Brady's, at the time, I think fairly stunning announcement a week later that the true value of that ball became apparent. You know, kind of like Mark McGuire's home run ball when he, when he broke Roger Marish's record, all that kind of stuff. So what happened was this gentleman who caught that ball, he, you know, it not only had significance because it was used to establish Tom Brady's record of 86 career playoff touchdowns. It was his final touchdown pass to what people thought. And to put that number in its proper perspective in terms of 86 career playoff touchdown passes, the man in second place, Joe Montana, has a total of 45, but I digress. Like most of Brady's passing records, it's a mark that will stand the test of time because he's lapped the field. But this gentleman, what he did, he co-signed the property to Leland's, which is a very reputable uh, auction auction house, right? And and it it was you know it's an, it's an official Wilson NFL football it had the official logo on the side. And it even had the Buccaneers team logo and the number 435. And, you know, it's it, it's registered and it was authenticated and all that stuff. And it, it was truly the ball that Evans made on that uh, – uh, they caught on that touchdown pass. And, and really, it was, frankly, an incredible stroke of luck that the ball ended up with this private collector because – had Evans not tossed it in the stands, it would still be the possession of the Buccaneers. It would have never been offered publicly, all right? So Leland's, the auction house, they had a bit of good fortune as well because, believe it or not, it was less than a year ago that someone approached him with Brady's first-ever career touchdown ball, 
and that was retired. It went for 428000 and ironic, or coincidentally, it's not ironic, coincidentally, Brady's very first ever touchdown, Paul, like his last, was also tossed into the stands by a receiver who caught it at the time. You may remember Terry Glenn from Ohio State, therefore depriving the NFL Hall of Fame of what would be two of its most important artifacts, you could argue, which, you know, which Brady's touchdown pass is the most significant, his first or his last. Well, that's for collectors to decide and historians to debate. But one thing is certain, if you obtain a piece of football history of this, mag- of this magnitude that you believe will never present itself again, you've got yourself quite, quite a piece of memorabilia. The problem is Brady came out of retirement. And the gentleman who, who won the auction spent $518,000. And it was, it was Sunday. Just a few hours before Brady's announcement. That is bad luck. Now, I, I'm sure it still has, it's going to have some significance, but I can't imagine, and I'm guessing it can't be anywhere near $518,000. And I, I can't even imagine how this poor gentleman must feel because he, he goes to this auction, and again, these are very reputable things, and uh, I. It's a situation now where he must feel like he had the rug just completely pulled out from, from under his feet. And to me, that story will never, of course, that story is not going to supersede the story, which is obviously Brady. He announces his retirement February 1st. His legacy was beyond secure. Seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, coming off a great season at age 44. He turns 45 on August 3rd. Throws for 5,300 yards, 43 touchdowns, only 12 interceptions. But let me tell you something. The Tampa Bay Bucks are thrilled to have him back. They said they would leave all options open for him should he reconsider his retirement. He never did file his retirement papers. Apparently, he had plenty of conversations with, with Bruce Arians that led to believe there was a realistic chance he'd want to come back. And, you know, he's already won one Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. And so, you know, he did leave the door open for the return. I will never really know what the reason is, the actual reason. I'm suspecting that his wife finally came to the conclusion that, all right, you, you took one for the team, the family team. It lasted a whopping 40 days. And <laughs> and now you got to do what you got to do. But, again, the backstory having to do with this poor gentleman who ends up with Brady's football uh, consigns it to Leland's auction house, and it's auctioned to some poor gentleman who pays five hundred eighteen thousand dollars for it. Now he's kind of stuck with it. Man, that is 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 craziness. All right, but truth be told, and I'm going to get to this a little bit later in the show. There's a bunch of people who have retired, in quotes, and come back. And if I start mentioning the names, most of them are household names. But before I get to that, I want to digress for a second because I really want to get the opinion of the crew. I want to go back to the Deshaun Watson saga. Deshaun Watson heads to Cleveland. And in much the same way LeBron James went back to Cleveland and brought them their first championship since, what, 1963 when Jim Brown won it long before the Super Bowl with the Cleveland Indian or Cleveland. Oh, my goodness. Did I just say that? They're not even the Indians anymore. They're the Guardians. But the Cleveland Browns. 
The city of Cleveland, great city, had no championships, and they got teased a couple times in the late 80s, right? Ernest Spiner had the fumble. John Elway had the drive. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers had some very good teams in the late 80s, but they kept running into Michael Jordan in the early 90s. You all know about Craig Elo. Uh, the Indians have, you know, were fantastic, uh, but couldn't quite get over the hump. Many of those years in the 90s, the old Jake. So all of a sudden now, Deshaun Watson comes back to Cleveland, and they're not bringing him $230 million guaranteed in trading three first-round draft picks with all the all the expectations in the world. And knowing that he's still facing some potential issues with the NFL, so when you add it all up, add it all up, put it in a blender, and spit it out, what do we get? Will they win a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson? Meaning, will the Cleveland Browns finally get over that? Never been to a Super Bowl. Is this going to work, or is this going to be another in a long history of unfortunate situations to the great city of Cleveland? I mean, I love the city of Cleveland. I love the state of Ohio. I know I, I know it like the back of my hand. I'm talking about the Cuyahoga Sunset, Cedar Point, the waterfront, the suburbs, the great Italian restaurants. It's a cool place. I don't think anybody would be upset, except for maybe the team they beat, if Cleveland got to a Super Bowl. The question is, can Deshaun Watson be that savior? I feel like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders, and he's still dealing with other things that he's not out of the woods. So let's bring in the crew on that and chop that up and see what their thoughts are. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Right, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios here in Las Vegas. We're talking Deshaun Watson. The numbers are incredulous. The situation is fluid. And at some point, they'll hope to get him on the field and Hopefully, Cleveland will get to the promised land, but it seems like they're a million miles away from that. Let's bring in the crew. Start anywhere you want. Talk about what strikes you most about this deal, and then, of course, is it going to work? They got five years, $230 million. You know Cleveland would like to win a Super Bowl in the worst way. Chris Perfett, what's your biggest takeaway? So the striking thing for me is how the contract is structured, Bernie. I'm getting a little into the weeds here, but this was the thing that kind of Blew my mind a little bit. Albert Breer reported on this that under the new contract Watson is going to have in Cleveland, he's only going to lose about $55,000 from his contract if he is suspended because they set his base salary at just $1 million yeah, in 2022. Yep, for, for this year, yes. Yeah, yep. so like that, it, it's a very interesting way to circumvent him losing money, which kind of sends a signal that I think the NFL will probably suspend him for a few games. I think they're anticipating that. Um, So I I have to go into the season assuming he's not going to be there for the full season for Cleveland. And just with everything else swirling around it, I'm just not sure how this really works out uh, in 2022. Watson's missed an entire year. It's hard to kind of get back into the rhythm of that. I'm sure he was working out while he wasn't on the field in Houston, but it was a wave. It was a year away from football, and I don't. And you know, I, I know he was kind of the, the pie in the in everyone's eye, going up right up until all these allegations came out. But I I'm going to be curious to see what he it's going to be like in a new situation with a pending uh, suspension that will probably take him out for at least a few games. 
and just all the expectations for Cleveland on top of it. I, I just don't see it working out in 2022. Well, gun to your head. He's got five years to win a Super Bowl. Do you think he'll do it? Uh, I, I the odds are against him. I really do. I, but I don't want to lead the I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't because best laid plans and everything in this arms race in the AFC is not going to that's not just for twenty twenty two, Bernie. Like there are so many teams in the AFC that are going to be barring the door. He's still every year gonna have to go up against Lamar Jackson and Joe and, Burrow. And Joe Burrow in his own division. The two two of those quarterbacks, yeah, both those quarterbacks in his own division, whoever the Steelers get long term, be it Trubisky or somewhere else or and even outside the division Patrick Mahomes Justin Herbert uh Russell Wilson now in Denver Josh Allen Josh Allen this is a murderer's row of quarterbacks that the American Football Conference has now it's no guarantee he's going to get to the Super Bowl at all let alone win it well I gotta tell you real quickly before we get to their guys uh, I I think it felt so forced because first he was in then he was out then he was back in, and then they weren't going to trade Baker Mayfield. Then he demanded a trade. Then they said no. Then they said yes. And the only reason would really – I'm not going to say it bothers me. This is America. But clearly, he went to Cleveland because $230 million. End of story. He went to the highest bidder. Uh, Brian Finley, your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting you bring the money thing up, Bernie, because he had initially said that yes. the reports were he did not want Cleveland. Now, exactly. He liked the roster and all that, but there were a lot of things he didn't like. So then they threw him this humongous lump sum of money, and as Chris pointed out the particulars, where he's only going to lose, assuming there's a, a suspension coming, he would only lose about $55,000 per game, which is incredible considering the, the amount of guaranteed money. It's all $230 million. It's fully guaranteed just to put that into perspective i just wish bernie taking this a different angle i just wish the front office was in cleveland a little bit more open about what was actually going on i i don't know it seems to me that baker mayfield was caught off guard with this that he thought he was the guy maybe baker isn't telling the truth here but i just think that we could have avoided this whole brouhaha with mayfield and these social media posts if the front office and like we all saw it, Bernie, what Mayfield did on the field last year was really hard to see on the eyes. But he was hurt. He, he, he was hurt. But how far are you going to use that as the alibi? And that's well, the I, I think a lot, Brian. You are going. Okay. Because that he tore up his shoulder week one making a tackle. And they shot him up, and he had knee, back, all kinds of other stuff throughout the year. And he he, he should have taken more time off. But go ahead and continue. Will, will, do you think Deshaun will win a Super Bowl in his tenure in Cleveland? I, I do not. I don't mm-hmm. think the organization has it, and I don't think that this is going to work out. Ultimately, there could be a lot of wins. But like you guys were talking about, there's so many power players in this conference. Great quarterback play. And then without a year, missing a year, that goes a long way in not being able to be ready when your number is called good stuff all right uh, ricky herrera what are your thoughts on this issue i'm gonna say apologize to cleveland fans but i don't think he will win a super bowl during his time in cleveland there is a just a stink about that team that i i can't believe in let alone the the powerhouse that the afc has turned into uh, but the one thing i take away from this um is that talent always prevails. And I'm, I'm just not surprised that he got his money and he went where he wanted to go. 
Well, um, I'm surprised he got this much money. And I think it reeked of a little bit of desperation when it looked like the deal was dead. Cleveland didn't want to end up empty-handed. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, Chris talked about 2022 because this is a season where it appears that if a suspension is forthcoming, it would be this season. Now that it's evident that, it, you know, he will not face criminal charges, what Roger Goodell has at his disposal is a little thing called the personal conduct policy. And what's key about that is that Goodell doesn't really have to know if Watson is guilty of having violated the personal conduct policy. He only has to believe that the quarterback, quote, may have violated it. And this is where the pressure begins to mount because when you look at the 22 pieces of civil litigation that were filed accusing Watson of sexual misconduct, and then if you go back to several months ago, alongside the, both the uh, Sports Illustrated account that mirrors some of the parts of the pending suits, and even at one point, the criminal complaint, which is now appears to be behind Deshaun Watson, if, if this isn't the threshold of a situation where, quote, Watson may have violated the personal conduct policy, I don't know what the threshold is. But I do know that in the NFL bylaws, it is pretty well spelled out. When a player is formally charged with a crime of violence, meaning that he's accused of using physical force to injure or threaten another person, and again, that's subjective. I'm not implying that Watson did this. This is legal terminology. Or of having engaged in a sexual assault by force or sexual assault of a person who was incapable of giving consent, or of having engaged in conduct that poses a genuine danger to the safety or well-being of another person, these formal charges may be in the form of a grand jury impaneled, an indictment by a grand jury, or just merely the filing of charges by a prosecutor. Secondly, when the investigation leads the commissioner to believe that the player may have violated this policy by committing any of the conduct that I've just laid out, Goodell has the autonomy to act where the circumstances and the evidence warrant doing so. And the decision that Goodell would make has nothing to do with finding guilt or innocence, and it does not have to rise to the same legal standards that would you know apply to a criminal trial, all right? So this is a standard that's wide open and leaves Goodell with all kinds of latitude, all kinds of autonomy on whether he determines Watson may have violated the personal conduct policy. And because it's 22 women, not one or two women, and it's a situation that's highly charged, highly sensitive for obvious reasons, to me it's almost a certainty that he's going to, Deshaun Watson is going to face uh suspension of most likely of four to six games sometime in 2022 and as Chris pointed out that's exactly why this contract was backloaded and he'll only make a million dollars this year not not too dissimilar to what Tom Brady had several years ago with the flake gate where he restructured his contract so in that particular year he made the least amount of any of his contract years simply because more games he missed the less amount it would cost him in the bottom line. Speaking of the bottom line, Freddie Freeman did all right for himself as the Dodgers go big name hunting. And uh, 
LeBron James did something under the radar recently that also puts him, I think, in the annals of NBA uh, legend status. And I don't think a lot of people noticed it. We'll get to both of those. But first, let's go to the man, the silver-tongued devil. That would be Brian Finley with the latest. Thank you, Bernie. Mark Few, the Gonzaga head coach, trying to get into that legend-like status. That would come with winning a national championship. And as we look at round two of the NCAA tournament from yesterday, Few's Zags are now into the Sweet 16 after they come back from 10 down at intermission and a win against number nine seed Memphis, 82-78. to and GU will go up against number four Arkansas next in the Sweet 16 after the Hogs were able to stifle number 12 New Mexico State 53 to 48. 15-seeded St. Peter's is victorious as well as they doom number seven Murray State 70 to 60. The Peacocks will watch this upcoming Texas-Purdue game today to find out who they will play next. Number four Providence is victorious against number 12 Richmond 79 to 50, not 51 that is. The Spiders were one of 22 from three-point range and the Friars will rendezvous with Kansas number one seed the Jayhawks after they toppled number nine Creighton 79 to 72. Number four UCLA back to the Sweet 16 for a second straight year after they demoralized number five St. Mary's 72 to 56. Jaime Jaquez had 15 points in this game. He bowed out and had to leave the game in the second half with an apparent right ankle injury. While the injury certainly didn't help, the Bruins are going to play UNC in the Sweet 16 after the Heels were able to grit out a win against number one Baylor 93 to 86. Third ranked Tennessee or third seeded Tennessee that is gets beat against number 11 Michigan 76 to 68 so Rick Barnes the Vols head coach continues to stink it up a little bit when it comes to March Madness Hunter Dickinson 27 points 11 rebounds LeBron James 38 points in a Laker loss to the Wizards 127 to 119 but personally for James it was a very satisfying game because it was one that got him to surpass Carl Malone to become the NBA's second all-time leading scorer. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the only man in front of James on the all-time list and the Timberwolves sacked the Bucks 138 to 119. Minnesota has won 10 out of their last 11 so they are moving in the right direction albeit no Giannis Adentacumpo in the game had a sore knee and that certainly allowed the T-Wolves a better shot at winning. With that, let's get it back to our man in Las Vegas, Bernie Fratto. All right, thanks so much, uh, Brian. With baseball underway, the Freddie Freeman news was pretty big this week. And for what it's worth, Freddie Freeman is a Southern California product. I went to Elmadina High School in Orange, California, signed out of high school, and he—it it seemed to me I always believed he'd be with the Braves his entire career. And they win the Super—they win the uh, World Series last year. Uh, the Braves second in the league in attendance. They're swimming in money. I think they made a hundred million dollars in profits. But it sent shockwaves through the industry. It was like it was like a happy married couple, but somehow they end up deciding to split up. Uh, everybody loved Freeman in Atlanta. And uh, he was, you know, he, I'm not saying he was Hank Aaron status, he was certainly Chipper Jones status, and they're actually friends. And for some reason, their contract talks with the Dodgers or with the Braves failed. And Freddie Freeman claims he was devastated by that. 
Uh, but he did agree to a six-year, $162 million deal with the Dodgers. Dodgers now uh, have four former MVPs uh, in their lineup. Uh, Freddie Freeman talked about he has an 86-year-old grandfather, and his father's in his 60s, and now they get to see him play every day. So if it was going to be anybody else but the Braves, it was going to be the Dodgers, and the Braves didn't mess around. They pivoted. They traded for Matt Olson, the, o- the Oakland A's first baseman, signing him to the richest contract in Atlanta Braves club history. That has to be I feel like a little bit of a slap in the face to Freddie. But in the meantime... The Dodgers, they go big name hunting again. Again, with six years, $162 million. Freeman's only 32, man. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball for the last 10 years. He's He's got 271 career home runs already. His career average is 295. He's finished in the top 10 in MVP voting the last four years. He was the MVP in that uh, COVID season in 2020. I expected the Braves would re-sign Freeman, and I thought the Yankees would even dip their toe in the water more than they did. He would have been perfect there. Uh, and he, Freddie Freeman told reporters that he wanted to return during the World Series. He wanted to return to the Braves, and the Braves did tender a qualifying offer to Freeman, which he rejected, obviously. But as uh, time passed and, and they clinched their first title, the Braves, in 27 years, and the Braves didn't retain him before the lockout, That that then it became clear at that point the writing was a little bit on the wall that Freddie Freeman might end up elsewhere. And then, like I just said, and this is sort of ironic that they pay Matt Olson. Now, the, the, the value of the contract, $168 million, is more than the $162 million. I'm talking about Matt Olson. Matt Olson got $168 million, a contract inter- extension from the Braves, which is $6 million more than the $162 million Freeman got from the Dodgers, although Freeman, the length of his contract, the life of his contract is six years versus Matt Olson's eight years. And the Braves acquired him from a trade from Oakland. He replaces Freeman at first base. They didn't mess around. I mean, that didn't take long. That's the highest paid contract the Braves have ever tendered to anybody. So should be an interesting season. Uh, Freddie Freeman, I think, will step right in and do very well with the Dodgers. And, again, it just feels a little odd that no one was unhappy. Uh, They're coming off a great season, and there seems like the ambivalence that the Braves showed is a little puzzling to me, but I think the Dodgers' gain is most likely the Braves' loss. And now with the universal DH, uh, he's even uh, that much more appealing. Freddie Freeman is to the Dodgers should Max Muncy have health issues. All right, another L.A product lebron james now this is seemingly under the radar uh but this is not anything you can really sneeze at lebron james this last week became the first player in nba history to reach 10,000 points 10,000 rebounds and 10,000 assists respectively and it happened of course in a 140 to 111 loss to the suns which why i was so facetious about brian's update a couple of hours ago because he's stacking up all these records where the Raiders, the Lakers are losing. And this is what I think you could call a predictable disaster. Uh, it's not going to be a good year for the Lakers. But be that as it may, when LeBron recorded his 10,000th assist during the second quarter uh, in the game, the 140-111 loss to the Suns just last Sunday, and it happened on a cross-court pass to Carmelo Anthony, and Carmelo Anthony drained a three-pointer if you're scoring at home. 
That made news, and I'll, I'll give it some perspective. This is quite a record. See, there are 38 players in the NBA, in the history of the NBA, who have 10,000 points and 10,000 rebounds. But now, after getting 10,000 assists and getting the trifecta, LeBron James, uh, he, he really laps. The only other players that are close to 10,000 assists, in addition to the points and the rebounds, are Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He had a little over 5,600. And Kevin Garnett, who had a little over 5,400. So LeBron's now got 10,000. That's, that's pretty incredible. And, of course, in February, James became the third player in NBA history to score 35,000 career regular season points. And he became the youngest player and the second fastest behind Will Chamberlain to cross the 30,000-point threshold back in 2018. So LeBron is stacking up the records. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be within the framework of a Laker winning season this year as it pertains to the playoffs or a potential championship. But be that as it may... He's cementing his legacy. All right, coming up, bring you back out to Vegas. Speaking of the NBA, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. At this time every week, Mackenzie Rivers, Mackin on Sports, gives his three best bets in the NBA for Sunday slate. Don't want to miss it. Get your pens and pencils. Get your popcorn ready. Mackenzie, we have three best bets for the NBA slate on Sunday for Sunday, March 20th. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Right, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studio. Still a lot to get to tonight, including... What kind of brand new fool are you? What my name? The world of soccer. I'm going to talk about the one game, if I can only watch one game tomorrow or later today in the uh, NCAA tournament, which game that would be and why. I want to give some more props to a couple of real surprise teams, Providence and St. Peter's. But first, we bring you back out to Las Vegas. You know them, you love them. Can't live without them. Mackin Rivers, Mackenzie Rivers, Mackin on Sports. At this time every week, he gives us three best bets for the Sunday NF NBA slate. Mackenzie, what do you got, man? That's right. We switched the calendar over. Um, four, four, and one. Since we've done this as, as an NBA segment, we were you know pretty hot as in the NFL props this year, but. Mm-hmm. I would be remiss to mention that El Clasico is coming up. Make sure to check out Chris Perfett's analysis of that game. It's a game that I've watched for you know two decades now, and I feel old now because I'm older than almost everyone in the game. But nevertheless, that's Xavi and his crew have to get it back together against Madrid. Now let's go to the NBA. I like the Jazz in the afternoon. I like Jazz minus four and a half. They're at Madison Square Garden. Power rankings make this Jazz minus seven. I think they're criminally underrated. They often are. They were the number one team with a bullet last year, both in the standings and in the metrics. And this year, they're right there. The last 30 days, they've been number two. And the Knicks have been they've been better. They've been a lot better since uh, than expected since the All-Star break. But they're still only the 17th offense since coming back. I think they've gotten lucky in a few close games. And I don't think that they, they've made any leaps since midseason. So Jazz minus four and a half would be my first best bet. By the way, real quickly, and I, I've, hopefully you get that. I've seen the line at five now. But a side note on that game, interestingly enough, 
The Jazz are above 500 straight up on the road, and the Knicks are under 500 straight up at home for what that's worth. Yes, that's an excellent point, and I would say buy price up to five and a half. These early lines tend to move. I've said this before. The Madison Square Garden experience is an occasion. It's the mecca. It is an experience, an occasion for the opponent. The Knicks are there every single week, every single day. It's not that big of a deal, but I think players like Donovan Mitchell show up big time. That's why the Knicks historically don't have a great ATS record. You know, you throw out last year, they actually have a really terrible ATS record against the spread because, you know, it's a big deal when you go to Madison Square Garden for the opponent. My next best bet, I like the Atlanta Hawks, minus three and a half. They're expected to get Trey Young back. Either way, I like this bet, minus three and a half versus the Pelicans. The Atlanta Hawks beat the Memphis Grizzlies 120 to 105 on Friday. And after that game, they had the number one offense since the All-Star game, since the NBA came back. That's a shocker because they've been a disappointing team all season. The number 27 defense, but I don't think the Pelicans can attack them really without their best player in Brandon, uh, Brandon Graham. Brandon Ingram, sorry, and Devontae Graham, who's questionable with an injury. So, best bet, Atlanta Hawks, a minus yeah, three and a half. Why do you think that line is so low? I mean, Atlanta's a 500 team. New Orleans is well under 500. But Atlanta's 10 games over 500 at home, and New Orleans is not been good on the road, yet you're only in laying three and a half. Is there something fishy about that line? Am I, am I wrong? Yeah, I, I think there is. I think we saw this with, uh, the, and we're going to talk about the Sixers game in a minute. We've seen this, and beats questionable every game, and the line moves two and a half points when they announce he's in every game. So I think there's, there's some, there's some uh, Trey Young uh, worry that he won't play, but I expect him to be a go. So that's why I think that number is only three and a half right okay. now and give some credit to the pelicans give credit to the willie green guys they've played much better since the break but they're not even you know two within two points of atlanta this is in atlanta so it should be four and a half or higher fair enough okay next, what's your third go ahead next up and this is my best bet i like philadelphia minus half Joel Emb- minus five and a half hosting the toronto raptors Joel Embiid's boys have a mission that started last game against the Mavericks. This is Embiid's MVP to lose. It was 50-50. I was a Jokic guy, and I still think he's had a more impressive season considering what the team is around him. But it was a huge marquee Friday Friday night game against the Mavericks. He had just lost to the Nets. He had just lost uh, a close game to the Nuggets and Jokic, his MVP rival. So he had to put his he had to put his foot in the ground and make that statement, which he really has done all year. Joel Embiid stepped up and got that win. He moved to minus one sixty to be the MVP favorite. Jokic drops down a little bit. This game, I think he re- he maintains that energy. And the Raptors they have a decent defense against the paint. However, that's why you bring James Harden into the mix. They don't have options for an elite shooting guard, small forward type position. Bottom five in the league against that position. So, bonus bet, I like Harden over his assists, over his points, rebounds, and assists. I do think this is a Harden game, but I think the whole team is on a mission right now to finish the season strong and get Joel Embiid that MVP. Toronto's actually gotten it together, although they are coming off that overtime loss to the Lakers the other night, you wonder how that affects them. Brought, Toronto's really playing for their playoff life. They're in seventh place in the Eastern Conference behind Cleveland. And it seems like every game is a playoff game to them. But, yeah, you know what? I never like going against Philadelphia uh, when they're at home. Uh, and I, for what it's worth, it's good on you if you got that game at five and a half. I see it at six. 
Uh, but boy, Philadelphia in short spurts, they look scary to me. I mean, they, you know, I don't know how they can keep it up, but short spurts, they look scary. Yeah, and they're they're down twenty seemingly every game. They were against the Mavericks. They were against the Cavs a week ago, and they ended up covering. They don't have it all together yet, but talent wise, and they had it all together in the second half last game. They're probably the best team in basketball right now. We'll see what happens with the Nets. We'll see what happens with the Suns when they get Paul back, and the Warriors when they get Curry back. But right now, CBS Power Ratings came out with them as number one, and then they lost the game a couple games by a few half points ATS, and they lost a few close games straight up to the to the Nuggets. And I think the market soured on them way too much. My power rankings make this ten and a half. Mm. So yeah, the Raptors need it more for the for their playoff chances. But the Sixers, I think, also will be motivated, and they're just a way better team at home. So I love the Sixers. I'll say buy price up to minus six and a half. That's my okay. best bet. All right, good stuff, Mackenzie. Uh, not for nothing, just just to you know complete. The tail, Toronto, amazingly, 11 games over 500 against the spread on the road. I think that's in part due to the markets hadn't really adjusted, and Toronto uh, started slow, and yes. they were you know, getting a lot of points. Uh, so Remember, they, they uh, had to play in Tampa last year. There was a lot of right. uh, pessimism around Toronto. All right, thanks, McKenzie. Coming up, what kind of brand new fool are you? Keep it locked right here, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. The Fox Sports Sunday train keeps right on rolling on. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Still a ton of stuff to get to, along with my savvy and capable crew, Ricky Herrera, Chris Perfett, and Brian Finley on the updates. And it's at this time every week, we... Enter into the netherworld having to do with the oddball stories of people that we know every day in America and around the world do things that cause you asking yourself, what kind of brand new fool are you? Yes. And this is the first time I have ever delved into the world of sports with my weekly candidate of what kind of brand new fool are you. And I hope I don't offend any Padres fans. Do you have a young player that's got all the talent in the world, 23 years old, just signed a $340 million contract recently, and his name is Fernando Tatis Jr. So after the lockout ended, he ended up, Showing up into camp, he was taking batting practice, and his wrist started hurting. And he asked the team doctor to look at it. And in the process of evaluating and diagnosing the injury, the doctor had come to the conclusion that, wait a minute, this injury isn't new. This injury isn't fresh. This happened a while back. Well, as they peeled back the onion and started to drill down on the situation, the subject of riding a motorcycle came up. And when... Fernando Tatis was asked, was this as a result of a motorcycle accident, a motorcycle crash? And Tatis' response was, which one? Now he's going to miss three or four months, and the Padres, who look like a fine young team on paper, who already have their work cut out against the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants, now will be out without their best player for all the wrong reasons and it leaves me asking Fernando Tatis with your 340 million dollar contract 
and all the talent in the world and your whole career ahead of you, what kind of brand new fool are you? Chris Perfett. All right, Bernie, we are taking you to Washington, D.C., to the greatest circus on earth, Congress. <laughs> Which, I mean, we, we usually stay out of politics, but for once, Congress was united, or at least the Senate was united, on a front which seemed impossible for everyone. It seems impossible in this day and age of politics for everyone to be united, but a unanimous vote was passed in the Senate to make daylight savings time permanent. Mm-hmm. We just had daylight savings time change over here. Our, you know, our show here was affected. We only ran for about three hours versus the usual four because the 2 a.m. hour just basically completely vanished here in Los Angeles. But it, it, it's a reprieve for me because I, as someone who has keeps up with news in other time zones, very few other parts of the world change times during daylight savings. This is a great, this is a great idea. That's not who the, the fool is. Not the Senate here. The fool happens to be the House, who, seeing this slam dunk come across their 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 table here, as the Senate now, it has to pass from the Senate to the House, and then the President has to sign it into law. The House isn't sure, House of Representatives is not sure when it's going to get to this incredibly very easy to decide legislation. Do or do we not continue with daylight savings times? As the fools come, by the way, of Pete Aguilar, I think it just caught us all by surprise. The Senate actually produced something and sent it to us. Usually, bills go the other way. So that's what's holding it up right now. We don't know when this is going to be uh, come up in the House. There's other pressing matters. We get that. So my main fool here are, like, you found it. You found the one thing, Congress, that everyone agrees on, that we should stop moving the clocks back and forth. Uh, There's some scientists out there that say you could probably get better sleep, and there's going to be arguments over, is it better to keep it on standard time or daylight savings? I don't care for that. I just don't want to change the clocks back and forth. Right. But for for the love of God, let's get this thing done. Let's get this thing done to make it permanent. Well, what's odd is this was enacted during World War I, and it was enacted because the United States was looking for ways to save energy by more daylight, it's presumed, right? Less light, less heat, all those things. So why we continue to do it? And if I'm not mistaken, Chris, there's a handful of states that don't change their clocks. No, Arizona Arizona does not change their clock at all, and there's been a few other states who have tried, and I, I it just, for whatever reason, hasn't passed in local in local areas. And again, this is something across party lines. Unanimous, unanimous vote happened. Senator Marco Rubio was a lead sponsor, and you had support from both both parties and we just it's uh it's it's something i think all americans can agree on it's just the only disagreement is is it going to be standard time or daylight savings time do you like having light later or earlier but for me all i care about is i don't like changing the clocks back and forth because i try to keep up with time zones in other places in the world they don't observe daylight savings time nobody does yeah got it all right brian finley you're up Yes, Bernie. You know, some people out there are bird watchers. That seems to be what might be interesting as a pastime. Well, there was a guy that was walking through the woods in an area in New Jersey, and he stumbled upon this exotic bird. It looked like a parrot, and it was seemingly out of place, right? What is a navy blue parrot in a 
shrubby, wooded area doing? So what does he do? He decides to call animal control. So they come out there to check out what's going on, and they walk up to it, and the guy that made the call to animal control didn't get close to the bird because he didn't want the bird to get skittish and fly away or, or make a scene. They wanted to be able to get this bird back to where its natural habitat is. So animal control comes in, and they start to get a little bit closer, creeping closer, and the bird doesn't move, and it still doesn't move. And then the guy walks right up to the bird and looks at it and says, that's a ceramic bird. That was wasn't made, even real. It wasn't even real. It was like a piece of pottery that somebody had put on a tree, and the guy that called it in thought it was a real bird. So they took that ceramic bird, animal control, and said, hey, we have something for somebody. Come get it when you know that it's yours. But we did not get a real bird. And they put video and pictures of this. But somebody was spoofed in thinking that there was a real bird. It was just somebody, I guess, doing a little joke and putting a ceramic piece of a bird. And yeah, that's a fool on multiple parties there. That's just embarrassing. Interesting. So far, no comment from Sue Bird or Larry Bird, but we move on. All right, Ricky Herrera, your turn. Okay, Bernie, I want to uh, put a spotlight on everyone's favorite favorite boxer with a tattoo on his face. Um, <laughs> we all know that uh, cannabis is uh, taking over the country in, uh, in terms of the industry, and Mike Tyson's cannabis company is producing edibles shaped like little ears. <laughs> I love it. He lives in Vegas, by the way. <laughs> now, it, it seems like a brilliant marketing move, but I, as a someone who is a little bothered by this, I have to ask Mike Tyson, what kind of brand new fool are you? You know who you might want to ask is Evander Holyfield. <laughs> right? Hopefully he gets a cut. Does he get a roll? Yeah, right. Right. Not hopefully, the word I would use, cut. But I was going to say, hopefully he gets a bite of the action, but that, that maybe that's not the wrong <laughs> choice of words. But I digress. All right, guys, another rounding, uh, a rousing. Try that again, not to be confused with Ronda Rousey. Another rousing edition of What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You, which leads our perfect segue into What My Name. And you guys have been killing it lately. All right, so if you've watched the tournament, you see the incessant commercials in AT&T, very popular, involving Lily. Lily, she's become quite the star. Now, Lily is obviously not her real name, so I should phrase it this way. I play Lily in all those commercials you see every 28 seconds during March Madness and off and around the clock. What my name, Chris Perfett? It's not Lily? It's not wait, wait, Lily. It came up with a character name for someone who's never named. What a concept. Isn't that amazing? I, 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 she's Lily. That's. I, I'm sorry. I don't know what her real name is. When you hear Lily. her real name, and by the way, she's, she's from the former Soviet Union. So, all right. I play Lily in all of those commercials you see during March Madness and actually around the clock. 365. What my name? Brian Finley. Susan Sarandon. <laughs> she kind of looks like a younger Susan Sarandon, doesn't, doesn't she? Look at you. Much Look younger. At you. Much All right. younger. All right. We'll see if uh, if uh, Ricky can save the day. So let's set it up again. I play those commercials in which I enact the character Lily 
That's not my real name. What my name, Ricky Herrera? She looks like a Josie. Okay. Is that your answer? Yes. Close. Her actual name is Milana Vaintrub. Milana Vaintrub. No joke. Google it. All right. Onward and upward. We continue with the March Madness team. On this day, 1966, the famous game between Texas Western and Kentucky, which would decide the national championship, and uh, Kentucky featured players like Pat Riley, Texas Western, their claim, started five black players, and they won the national championship. I was the coach of that team at Texas Western. Chris Perfett, what my name? I don't know the name of the coach, but Texas Western, I know, is now named UTEP, correct? Right. Yeah, University of Texas El Paso, yeah. Yeah. All right. Judges won't allow it. We need a name. All right. I coached the 1966 Texas Western team. First time all five black players started, won the national championship, beat Kentucky. I coached that team. What my name, Brian Finley. Uh, Bernie, I know the movie is Glory Road, yes, but yes, I yes. don't recall the coach's name. It's a famous name, and I think you guys will you'll recognize it when I say it, but maybe Ricky Herrera will get it. 1966, I coached Texas Western to the championship over Kentucky. What my name, Ricky Herrera? 1966? Yep. Lou Holtz. <laughs> Every, oh, my God. I need a drink of water. I just almost uh, threw up in my own throat. Good, good, good guess. It's Don Haskins. Don Haskins. I bet you guys recognize the name. It just couldn't quite come up with it. All right. I bet you one of you guys is going to get this one for real. 1995, the UCLA Bruins won the championship with Jim Herrick. NCAA championship basketball. But then even though they were a number one seed in a famous game against Missouri, a number eight seed, the Bruins almost lost. If I hadn't dribbled the length of the court and laid it in with four seconds to go, Chris Perfett, what my name? I feel like it's unfair unless I let Brian Fenley get this one. <laughs> well, if you know it, all right. Well, all right. 1995, UCLA, number one against Missouri, number eight. I dribbled the length of the court and saved my team's bacon in the last four seconds, and we went on to win the national championship. Brian Fenley, what's my name? The legend himself, Tyus Edney. Excellent. I knew you'd get it. Would you, uh, would you have gotten that, Ricky? I was going to say Muggsy Bowes. <laughs> I think he went to NC State. <laughs> he went to Wake Forest. Wake Forest, very good. Nicely done. Thanks, guys. I, uh, maybe I'll save that for a future, future what my name. <laughs> All right. Coming up, there's actually – we're going to bring the crew back in because there are eight games tomorrow, and really there's some, there's some doozies. That Houston-Illinois game will start the day. But that'll be a hell of a game. You've got number one Arizona, and there's this consensus that because Arnie Spaniard's on the air, they're going to lose to TCU, even though it's a 10-point favorite. I'm not buying it. But Texas-Purdue, what's the significance of that game? It's interesting because Chris Beard, the coach of Texas, really made his bones back in 2016 when he was coaching at Central Arkansas. And as a 14-point, check that, as a 14 seed, he upset Purdue, which led to other job opportunities. Now he's at Texas. If the crew, if you only had one game to watch tomorrow, which would it be? We'll discuss with the crew. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio.
Well, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the La- Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Lots of games tomorrow. I want to bring in the crew in a second. Actually, lots of games later today. See, I do that because when I sign on, I'm here on the left coast. I'm in Las Vegas, Pacific Standard Time. I sign on 11 p.m., and it feels like it's still Saturday night to me because I sign on Saturday night. So if I say tomorrow, I apologize. I meant Sunday. Plenty of games Sunday. If there's only one game I could watch, it would have to be Michigan State-Duke. You get Coach Izzo, Coach K together, combined 151 tournament wins in history. You never know. This could be Coach K's last game, interestingly enough, when Coach K locks horns with Tom Izzo in Michigan State. He's 12-3 and against Sparty, but interestingly enough, the Spartans have won two of the past three meetings, and not for nothing, the last time that the Spartan, this game would be played in Green, uh, Greensboro, South Carolina. And the last time Duke played a game there, it was in the tournament four years ago, and they got shocked. They got lost. They got stunned by South Carolina when the Blue Devils were the number two seed. So a lot surrounding this game Sunday, not the least of which it could be Coach K's last game as Michigan State tries for another championship and or at least a Final Four. That would be the one game I would watch if it's the only game I could watch. Uh, Brian Finley, how about you? Yeah, Bernie, I'm going to go with the late night game. I'm somebody who loves the Pac-12, and now that USC has gagged away, and and Chris, not to rub it in, I know you went to USC, but I I had USC going to the Elite Eight, and that's somebody that is a UCLA fanboy. Arizona against TCU. I don't think Arizona is as good as people say because, because they have all the talent in the world times 20. But the experience in these pressuresome moments that comes with the NCAA tournament, that is what they don't have. I don't know if they fall today or they fall in the Sweet 16, but it's coming pretty soon for Arizona. And if it happens to be today, I will be enjoying it because as a UCLA fan, that means that the Bruins are the only team out of the Pac-12 remaining in the big dance. And they've got North Carolina next week. Interesting. Now, will you be on the air tomorrow night? Because Arnie Spanier will be, and there seems to be this <laughs> this, tr- this consensus that Arnie's a jinx, and I don't know that I buy it, but that's what they say. I will not be on the air, but I do believe in the notion that Arnie is a jinx. Anytime that he says, my, and then insert your team here, my Lakers, my Yankees, whatever he says, that team ends up stinking it up. It's just a common thing that happens happens consistently with them on Fox Sports Radio. So you never want to hear whatever your favorite team is, Bernie. Never let in the words of Arnie. Don't let him say this. My whatever team that is, I know, yeah. because you're doomed. Well, they, they got a player named Christian Coloco. Arizona's got three. And right now I'm at the top of the Fox Sports pool, uh, bracket pool. And uh, and I've got Arizona winning it all, but I would just say this. They got a player, they got three seven footers, and they shoot threes like nobody's business. You're right. They do have a first year coach, a former Gonzaga guy, but they have a player named Christian Coloco. And I don't think Arizona will lose any game unless he gets in foul trouble. That could be their undoing. All right, Chris Perfett, who would so, you watch? Uh, a couple notes here. First off, it doubly so on Arnie because Arizona has been his Wildcats for a very very long time. Might actually be one of the teams he actually roots for, not just a, a one of it. <laughs> Second off, I don't have anything to say about USC. I think Andy Edfield's really missing having 
the other Mobley still on his squad. There's just never been a power to take over that. Um, I, I mostly do that because I, I echo a lot of your sentiment, Bernie, when it comes to Michigan State and Duke, and I actually like Michigan State in this matchup. So I'm going to go to my second after Michigan State-Duke that I would probably watch. Um, I'd love to say Villanova because I, I love the Big East. I love all these Big East squads like Providence and, and Villanova in the tournament, but they're playing Ohio State, and I don't know how Ohio State got a seven rank. The Big Ten, honestly, has been frankly incredibly disappointing, even though a lot of teams have kind of held on, especially the surprise in Michigan moving on. But I, I Ohio State, I've, I've seen enough Ohio State. I don't care about Ohio State. My game is uh, Miami and Auburn. Uh, Jim Laranega has been at Miami now, I believe, 10 seasons, if I'm not mistaken. And Miami has always punched above their weight. I love what they do, especially in the ACC. But, I mean, the big focus for me in that game is Bruce Pearl's squad. Bruce Pearl, you know, culmination of you know, him being out of college basketball for a long time. And, uh, you know, Auburn looking very, very powerful. Um, Jabari Smith, that monstrous dunk the other the other night. Like, I, mm, I, I like Auburn. I like Miami. Both these squads speak to what I like in, in basketball. So I will... Uh, probably be tuned in on that for the late game that'll be a hell of a game and i've also got auburn in my final four um i I, the way they beat usc you had to see it to believe it uh there was a very drama filled game and charlie moore a player for miami had to make two free throws with three seconds to play and then of course you saw ucla uh, the player for usc launched that you know half court three and a darn thing almost went in so usc did go down, but not without a fight. Final score was 68-66. But uh, anyway, that that will actually be a, a very good game. And you're right about Jim Larenhaga. He's brought a very good, you know, defensive, physical, uh, active Especially team. Especially for Miami, who we all kind of regard as the football school in the ACC, to be hanging tough with all these other basketball, old tobacco road powerhouses that we've seen every year. To be, you know, coming out from the ACC as consistently as they have been. In recent years, that's just impressive to me. Yeah, and it would, not to split hairs, I don't know if Miami's a football school anymore. They're trying to get back to being one. Uh, they're they're right. traditionally a football school. Yeah, well, they, well, they were in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, yeah, but but <laughs> yeah, we're, we're living in the past on that one. We got to get the scrapbook. All right, Ricky Herrera, you, uh, Ricky Herrera. Sorry, you got the last word. As much as Coach K and the Izzo matchup uh, appeals to me, yeah, I'm going to keep this uh, short and simple. Like Brian, I'm a Pac-12 guy. I'm going with uh, the Arizona and TCU matchup. Okay, so you're a Pac-12 supporter, but do you, who's your favorite team in the Pac-12, just for giggles? I like a UCLA and USC split. Mm, I, I root for split. them both. I feel that's a sin. That's almost impossible. Yeah, I didn't Chris, know you could do that. Chris, Chris doesn't understand that. Well, no, I understand you're like an LA guy, can, yeah. You, know what? You're, you're, you should run for office, Ricky. You're, you're never going to piss anybody off. You do a great job. So, you wouldn't, that yeah. wouldn't be able to fly in Michigan. You'd have to pick a side, green well, or you, blue. You, well, you, listen, we, you have to be there to explain Michigan-Ohio State. I don't think you're going to explain it rationally. To oh, anybody. I was talking about Michigan-Michigan State. That's a, Well, that, that's a big rivalry, too. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, listen, the Michigan-Ohio State started as a land war rivalry, for crying out loud. I've... I've talked about that in past years and or past shows, and I'll, I'll bring it up. That's again my hometown, sometime. Toledo. Yep, that's right. That's the territory they argued over, but it's a story for a different day. Speaking of stories, coming up, Chris Perfett will have his World of Soccer report. 
And as Mackenzie talked about earlier, El Clasico is back. What's the significance? Why is it a big rivalry? Why are there so much stories? So many stories. Try that again in English. Chris Perfett's going to have that for us. But first, let's go to the man who knows all too well that when the small clears in Southern California, UC LA. Brian Finley with the latest. Bernie, I couldn't agree more with you. And it might not be a rivalry. Number one, Gonzaga against number nine, Memphis, in a matchup second round NCAA tournament. But those two teams have played a lot over the years. And as we look at second round play, the Zags were able to make up a 10 point deficit and win in Portland, where they staged this game against the Tigers, 82 to 78. Drew Timmy bringing back the lost art of the hook shot, had 21 of his 25 points in the the second half and then he spoke to reporters after the game namely Turner on the court afterwards and then let out a couple curse words and then tweeted out he was sorry and that he needs to be more careful with what he says because his mom will beat him up a GU is going to now going to be taking on number four Arkansas after the Razorbacks doom number 12 New Mexico State 53 to 48 15th seeded St. Mary's yeah they prevail over number seven Murray State 70 to 60 the Peacocks will face the winner of today's Texas-Purdue contest. That is a six-versus-three matchup. Number four, Providence. No problems against number 12, Richmond, 79-51. to 51. Noah Horkler had 16 points and 14 rebounds. And the Friars, led by Ed Cooley, their head coach, will go up against Kansas next. The number one seed, Jayhawks were able to put away number nine Creighton 79 to 72. Fourth seeded UCLA grits out a win over number five St. Mary's 72 to 56. So that is back to back trips to the Sweet 16 for the Bruins, who will now meet up with another blue blood in North Carolina. And that will be a matchup in Philly this upcoming Friday. But the Heels did beat number one Baylor yesterday 93 to 86 in overtime. They in the heels had a 25-point lead. They lost it and then came back in OT. R.J. Davis had 30 points as he was a huge source of offense for UNC. Hunter Dickinson was a large source of offense for Michigan. 27 points, 11 rebounds, and the 11th seed Wolverines are winners against number three Tennessee, 76 to 68. So Juwan Howard continues the magic in NCAA tournaments like he has done in years prior. And finally, LeBron James is now number two all time in the NBA in scoring. He passed Carmelo yesterday after James had a 38 point outing mind you, in a loss for the Lake Show against the Wizards, 127 to 119. I feel like, Bernie, when we bring up the Lakers, we more often than not are talking about them losing. Somebody who's not losing and is definitely a winner when it comes to the slots, when it comes to sports gambling, when it comes to life, it's Bernie Frado. Wow, you can be my agent, Brian. (laughs) All right, thanks so much for the update. That is Brian Finley, the man with the golden pipes, the silver tongue devil. All right. It's that time of week. Check that. It's that time of night. Every week at this time, Chris Perfett and his report on the world of soccer, and he'll bring us up close and personal to a big event this weekend having to do with a, a, a very hallowed match that is entitled El Clasico. Chris, take it away. More than hallowed, Bernie. This is, the outside of maybe the Champions League final, the biggest game anywhere in Europe traditionally still holds today El Clasico is all the history all the pageantry 
everything. It is the most fierce rival probably in all the world, which is really hard to do considering what we've had. You got the Manchester Derby is is furious. You've seen, you know, games of Liverpool, Everton, Roma, Lazio. I'm a Roma fan, uh, supporter. I know all about how violent, brutal Lazio and, and Roma supporters can be. Drew El Timmy. El, El Clasico just crushes all of it. Like it, I, I don't usually even pay attention to the Spanish La Liga, but you call, you turn in you turn in for El Clasico. Real Madrid and Barcelona are two of the most storied franchises in the world. All of the players, all of the, that we've seen, both in in the past from Maradona to today, be it Lionel Messi or Sergio Ramos to Kareem Benzema, who's unfortunately going to miss this game. He's just always been here. It's been and and thing about El Clasico is it's a very fluid game it, it, it as far as where it happens anytime Madrid and Barcelona meet it is El Clasico it doesn't matter if it's in the Champions League it doesn't matter if it's in La Liga if it doesn't matter if it's in the España Supercopa it's El Clasico whenever these two teams meet this time it is for La, it is in La Liga domestic play and Standing-wise, Real Madrid is, with very little time left in the season, probably going to win the domestic league. They're 10 points ahead of the second-place Sevilla. Barcelona, however, they're, they need this win to basically stay alive and go to the Champions League next season. Uh, they are holding on to fourth place by just two points behind them, Real Betis. And I believe Real Betis is playing uh, Celta Vigo today, uh, today as well. And they, if Barcelona doesn't get out a win on this, they could be in trouble. It's been kind of rough sledding for Barcelona ever since, obviously, the breakup with Messi, which went, went with him to Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, Xavi was one of the former players of Barcelona, now as their manager. And for them, this is all about brag. This is all about staying alive. For Madrid, it's bragging rights. It's asserting dominance. It's asserting a streak of wins over Barcelona that has been extending for 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 a few for more than a few games now. Um, a lot of other firsts for this game. It's going to be the first where Madrid is going to be back in their iconic stadium in the Bernabeu. Uh, Renovations had been going on since March of 2020, so they'll be back there. Hey, hey Chris, What's up? Just for giggles, because I know we talk about Michigan Ohio State. This is like Michigan Ohio State times five. Oh yeah, uh, but originally wasn't the game going to be played in Saudi Arabia? I think they did play a game in Saudi Arabia at. Some they were going to do the 2022 game. What? Something changed though, and I think they decided not to play. Yeah, it I think I, th- I I don't I don't have that in front of me. I don't remember all the details that off the top of my head. I just know they're playing back in in Madrid, which is uh, very. Okay. I mean, it's it's a very big, um, very very big news for for Madrid fans who obviously would rather be playing in Madrid, see their club playing in Madrid rather than in Saudi Arabia anyway. And I'm sure it's just really hot over there. Um, it's it's fast. This this game is just utterly fascinating across the board, Bernie. Well, um, you know what? Can I just to jump up? in? Because I always look for that little quirk, right? Mm-hmm. It's my understanding. I've never seen one of these. I know it's one of the biggest football soccer games in the world. It's one of the most watched sporting events, period. But from my understanding is these two sides aren't exactly on friendly terms, and when they score goals, they mock each other. No, like, and that's that's a big draw of the game is going to be the cel- the goal celebrations. Every time a player puts a dagger in, in, in the other side, they are they are quick to remind you of it. it this is kind of the this is the <laughs> 
the home of the best goal celebrations out there. And again, yes. I begrudgingly say that because I once watched Francesco Totti, who to me was the god of Italian soccer, pull out a uh, smartphone and take a selfie on a sideline one time. Way, way before anyone else was <laughs> doing that. And like, yeah, no, this was, I, I'm, yeah, and like, He's, he bit his finger and everything, but Toadie Toady wishes he could have played in El Clasico just for that spotlight on him, even though he represents Rome through and through. Um, Vinicius Jr. is the player you want to watch in this. Again, Benzema is out from Madrid. Vinicius, though, has netted 14 times this year, and um, he's, he's the league's second highest scorer. I'm really excited to see his celebration. He's a very young prospect out of Brazil. I'm really excited to see what, if, you know, what he's going to go over. I've got Madrid, Madrid in this game, but obviously throw out the record books whenever these two play each other. Uh, real quick, though, before we finish up, uh, I, I was going to come in here talking about the U.S. men. They are playing later this week. I believe it would be, what is it, 24th is a is uh, Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. USA, yes, that is a, yes, yes, correct. USA will be playing Mexico for FIFA World Cup qualifying. Once again, a great rivalry, the U.S.-Mexico. Great week for some very bitter rivalries across the world of soccer. I can hardly wait. All right, good stuff, Chris. Coming up, we wrap up the show. I want to give a certain college team in this tournament an incredible amount of credit, and I want to add some texture to their accomplishments in winning these two games on Thursday and again today. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Now we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. They've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific Saturday night, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. That would be Ricky Herrera, Brian Fenley on the updates, and Chris Perfett. Thanks, guys. Could not do this show without teamwork. Speaking of teamwork, I want to give special recognition to St. Peter's University, the St. Peter's Peacocks who have in the last 72 hours knocked off Kentucky and today knocked off, or yesterday, I guess, knocked off Murray State. Now, let's contextualize this for just a second. St. Peter's is a, is a small little school in Jersey City, New Jersey. They have about 2,700 undergraduates. It's a private Jesuit school, and they're coached by a gentleman named Shaheen Holloway, who played at uh, Seton Hall in the 90s. And, you know, for the last 10 years, St. Peter's has really been trying to get their program off the ground. It hasn't been easy because last year uh, was St. Peter's ninth losing season in the last 10 years. But they started to show some flashes this year, and they got a bid in the tournament. Now, Shaheen Holloway, their coach, he makes a salary of about three hundred grand a year, and the entire budget for the St. Peter's Peacocks basketball program is about $1.9 million. Now, juxtapose that against Kentucky, whose head coach, John Calipari, makes about $8.6 million a year, and Kentucky's budget is about $29 million. St. Peter's beat them. Then they got on the floor with a very good Murray State team and beat them. 
They are on their way to the Sweet 16. St. Peter's will play the winner of Texas Purdue, which is played later today on Sunday. And not for nothing, if you would have bet 100 on St. Peter's Thursday on the money line, it would have paid back $1,600. And before the tournament started, St. Peter's was uh, 100 to 1, which basically means if you put up $100, it'd bring back about $10,000 dollars if they win the whole thing which obviously the odds are heavily against they're not the first 15th you know check that they're not the first 15 seed to make it to the sweet 16 florida gulf coast did it a few years ago with andy enfield uh oral roberts did it i think it was just last year and then quarterback you may remember that great cleveland state team with mouse mcfadden in the mid 80s uh, they knocked off bobby knight they made it to the sweet 16 as a 15 seed but i digress St. Peter's has not only won their first two games, but they did it in a way that really belies, it really underscores what a phenomenal coaching job Shaheen Holloway has done. Look, when you're under, there's offense is fleeting. Offense comes and goes, but you can always play defense. And that's exactly how they did it. Um, against Kentucky, because St. Peter's was so aggressive and took the game to Kentucky, they contested everything. They rotate, they switch, they communicate. They warn each other where the traps are coming. They don't allow free catches in space. If you get the ball, they're going to make everything you do difficult. And it worked. And by the way, as John Wooden once said, there's a place in heaven for rebounders. They matched Kentucky rebound for rebound Thursday, 35 and 35. They each had 35 rebounds. This is Kentucky. And St. Peter's hung right with them. And in doing so, in an aggressive defense, Kentucky shot 26.26% from behind the arc. Kentucky massively struggled to create any kind of offensive consistency. Give top credit to St. Peter's and their head coach, Shaheen Holloway. So what would they do for an encore? They get on the floor today with a very good Murray State team. And if you watch the game, in truth, St. Peter's was the better team on the floor Saturday. Again, stellar defense, aggressive defense, active, hustling. They not only won the rebounding battle against Murray State, 38-31, to 31, they won the turnover battle. They forced Murray State into 12 turnovers. In doing so, Murray State also struggled to put up offensive consistent 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 offense shooting 34% from the floor that doesn't happen by accident St. Peter's now finds their way into the sweet 16 and they will get the winner again of Purdue and Texas which also has sort of an interesting story and if you recall Purdue played a Chris Beard coach team Back in 2016, when he was with Central Arkansas, Purdue lost. You always wonder if the committee has a little bit of a sense of humor in putting these two together. Might Chris Beard and Texas now do the same thing to Purdue that Chris Beard and Central Arkansas did in 2016? Another coach I want to give a ton of credit to, Ed Cooley, a Providence Friars class guy he's like something right out of a movie Cooley was born in Providence Rhode Island he worked his way up through the coaching ladder he now returned home in 2011 to coach Providence he's been there 11 years but this year the Friars got their first Big East regular season title 
and they looked outstanding in uh, in their first game. Here's what's really kind of cool about Providence. They're not a sexy team. They don't have lottery picks. They don't have any NBA prospects or five-star recruits. What they have is a very gritty, gutty squad. They just find ways to win their battles. And by the way, it's no secret they beat Wisconsin by five earlier in the year. They beat Texas Tech by four. They beat, now that, and Texas Tech's badass. They also beat Connecticut by four. This is a team that has a bunch of guys you've probably never heard of, but you get on the floor with them, and they're going to give you everything you could ever imagine to handle. So, top credit to Providence. Top credit to the St. Peter's Peacocks. Top credit to St. Peter's coach Shaheen Holloway and obviously the coach for Providence as well, a guy by the name of Ed Cooley. These are guys you root for. That's why they call it March Madness. At some point, Cinderella, the clock's going to strike midnight for 63 out of these 64 teams. But for now, as long as they're breathing, they're alive. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's edition of Fox Sports Sunday. Keep it locked right here. Up next, Brian No and Andy Furman.